0: Hello and welcome to the first of Autocar's new series of Great Women podcasts. We've designed these podcasts to build on the groundbreaking Great Women initiative that Autocar has been running for six years, promoting the brightest and best talent in the automotive industry. We'll be talking to some of the most influential voices around, getting to know the people behind the headlines and how their experiences have shaped our industry today. We're hoping you'll find them interesting no matter what your outlook whether you're an auto car reader a 30-year industry veteran or someone just starting out in their career there will be loads of fascinating subjects and we'll be speaking to all sorts of people from both inside and outside the industry electric vehicles are increasingly common but how do they work and what will they be able to do in future Bosch is a leader in developing these new technologies, with our components fitted on more than 2.5 million EVs and hybrids. On May the 19th, join Bosch electrification leader Heiko Vela and a panel of experts for a showcase of advanced EV technology and an interactive discussion about electrified mobility and the future of passenger cars. To join, email events at leaders-live.com. I'm Rachel Burgess, Autocars Executive Editor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Alison Jones, last year's winner of Autocars Great Women Award and one of, if not the most powerful person in the UK car industry today. She is Senior Vice President and Country Manager UK of newly formed Stellantis and oversees, bear with me, in alphabetical order, a Bath, Alfa Romeo, Citroen, DS Automobiles, Fiat, Fiat Professional, Jeep and Peugeot. Have I got that correct, Alison?
1: That's correct. Yes, good morning. Phew, excellent. Well,
0: today we're going to be talking to you about how to build a career in the automotive industry, something that, judging by your job title alone, you've managed to do extremely well. So if I can start by asking, what does your normal day look like um, in in these times, I guess, since we've been in them for at least a year?
1: Well, I think like most people, it's extremely varied, Um, It can range from something deeply operational in terms of uh, sales results or customer service, customer experience through to strategic planning, integration of our um, different functions, long term planning. So it can be extremely varied. But I think that's what the interest is about the automotive industry.
0: And we're obviously talking quite early in the morning. And I think you told me before you like to start work early. What's your typical time to start work? I'll typically start about half past six in the morning. And is that, so that's at home, checking emails
1: first? What's, how do you start? Yeah, so now, um, since COVID, we work predominantly from home. But of course, as the restrictions have lifted, we can be out and about, either with um, journalists doing PR events or with our um, retailers out across the country. Or now I may actually start traveling across to France, but typically half past six is in the office checking emails, checking what's happened overnight um, and then working. So I like to use that time to work on um, pieces of work that require thought because it's quite um, quiet, you know, and you can sit there and and concentrate. So that's a good time for the first couple of hours of the day.
0: Yeah, I find the same. It's always that's when I'm most productive. Yes.
1: so the formation of
0: Stellantis is, you know, feels like a monumental moment for the modern day car industry. What excites you most about the company and your role within it?
1: The company is a very dynamic company. Um you'll have seen the experience of the results, um the focus and the attention. It's really we're really clear about what our priorities are. We're here to provide mobility for all, clean, safe, affordable mobility for all. So that's Um, in a variety of ways. So it's typical car sales, van sales, but actually then the connectivity of service, at all price points. So that gives people access to jobs, to social interaction. And and that's the purpose. And I think that's really important for me. And you can feel it flow across the business, obviously, on a day to day basis, you feel really challenged by what you're trying to do. But behind that principle, there's some really clear um, KPIs that we are here to achieve every single day. And that's the same whichever country you're in or the headquarters. You can feel that across the entire organisation.
0: And um, since moving to Stellantis, before that, you enjoyed a 30 year career in the automotive industry. What interested you to begin with? How did you get into it?
1: I got into it because I saw a role advertised uh, at Volkswagen Group many, uh, many years back now, as you've said. <laughs> so, um, and I started. I wanted to work for what I thought was a larger organisation that had um, interest in it, and that's how I started. Started there, got really interested into in it, moved around the organisation. Um, and there are so many roles, there's so many choices about what you can do that actually they can feel very different roles in your career, even though you're predominant. Well, predominantly in automotive. Many of the roles have felt very different.
0: And in your mind, what are the key roles you've made You know that have propelled your career forwards over that time?
1: Um. So I have a background in finance, so started in finance roles and worked through different organisations, manufacturing organisations, service companies, uh, automotive and different disciplines. A key milestone was when I moved out of finance, so I moved into an operational role, Um, so that was after probably about 12 years of being in finance, moved into an operational role and that's where I learned all the commercial aspects of the automotive industry. So real defining moment, because I added another um, discipline, another expertise on top of the different um, functions that I've worked in, so different areas. I then moved um, into after sales. So again, another defining moment where I learned all about the after sales side of it. I was asked then to go and run our customer contact centers because I had a strong background in customer and I knew all of our five brands. So Volkswagen, Audi, Search, so Go and Commercial Vehicles. We had one contact center and I can fix things. And it was it was really, di- that was a really difficult challenge because it had all fallen over, it was really broken. So that was a defining moment in terms of taking on a really complex project um, note with the background, but new. Um, then obviously Audi sales director, then Volkswagen MD. So they've been different now, this role. So being different times that you really feel you've crossed something to a different discipline or a different skill set.
0: And as you, as you said, you spent a lot of your career at Volkswagen Group. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to make the move to what was then PSA? And how did you feel coming into that role? I mean, no doubt excitement, but were you nervous? You know, how, how, can you oh, tell yeah. us a bit about that?
1: <laughs> um, yes, I wanted a bigger, more complicated job. Boy, did I get one. And I approached about the role in PSA. Uh, and it gave me what I wanted in terms of bigger and more complex role and so I understood what the organization was about, Going to you some of uh, what it stands for and that really interested me so I um, started two and a half, nearly two and a half years ago now of course I've now changed my job again as I've added on um, the implementation, the integration of, of FCA and the additional brands that I picked up nervous excited all in one Rachel yeah just to answer the last part of the question yeah excited <laughs> about you yeah. yeah
0: yeah and, and did you ha- always have a plan you know people talk about a five-year career plan or a 10-year career plan is that something that you've had through your time or is it is it sort of more natural approach um,
1: I think there have been points and I would say to anybody um look at what so I really value people who want to move and cross um Departments, functions, whatever you want to call them, you know, move marketing into operations, into after-sales, into customer service. um But I equally value specialists. So I've heard, I've worked with um, colleagues who have wanted to be expert marketeers, and you can see that their role has moved around. They've stepped out of marketing. I think you do need to step step out of a specialist function to have a, an understanding of what's going on in the wider part of an organisation to then step back. And you can do that though, either through organisation by changing organisation. So if you want to be a specialist marketeer, you can change organisation or you can change within marketing and work your way up that way. So decide what you want to be. Um, and then I've had where I've looked, possibly two. So I remember when I wanted to be the art sales and customer quality director for Volkswagen brand. And I was I think I, I actually I was can never remember the order of my, uh, my, my career. So I at the time was the finance director. But I had previously worked in operations and in customer service. So someone said, Well, you don't know anything about after sales. No, but I know half of the job and I know it all about customer service. So this would have been about one to two jobs out at the time. And I'd become finance director, so I stepped back into finance because that was a way to get promotion. So I'd had a, a view of that. And then my next one was after sales and customer quality. So people told me I hadn't got the after sales, but you go, no, but I've got all of these the skills on customer service. People then say, well, you need to know about ourselves. Yeah, but I have transferable skills. I spent my life talking about the transferable skills that I have. So I do probably look one or two roles out. Um, and then when I was looking to get a board role, I was looking at the various roles. So then within your job, I think if you do a job for three years, first two years, you're learning it, you're competent in it. And the third year, you're giving back and you're building what you want for the next job. Um, that's when I look out and so I have there have been certain ones that I've definitely looked for others um, enjoying the job and what you're doing and but I'm inquisitive and I'm curious and I'll get involved in projects that are outside of my day-to-day so I put myself out I suppose and that's how I learned about fleet when I was doing a very different role but I was on a project that involved um, the fleet team so there are different ways to get those skills
0: and if you had your
1: time again is there anything you would approach differently or do differently? I think I would probably shout about my successes a bit more um, which sounds arrogant but it's not meant to be but I'm one of those people I get on I deliver my results um, I work with my teams um, and I think that my results will speak for themselves well I think what I've learned over the years is that doesn't necessarily happen people don't know what you've succeeded at and maybe if I had um, taken credit for some of those uh, I may have been in slightly different, role, uh, different roles, but, uh, but that would be my advice. Don't assume that people know what you're doing and what you what results you've delivered.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. We've sort of touched on this, but in your opinion, what, what do you think are the key steps to make it in the automotive industry? And do you think you need to love cars? Because, I mean, obviously we love cars at car, but it's always struck me there are plenty of excellent, re- rewarding roles in the industry, even if you don't love cars. And what are your thoughts?
1: Um. I don't think you have to love cars for all the roles that you do. I think loving cars is great. So if you're in a product team um, or if you're working with our customers, you absolutely need to love your cars and and know the cars and our vans inside and out. But there are other roles that are highly complex. You know, we have um, uh, people who are working in our paint shops, people who are working in our legal teams. Um, that which you don't need to intrinsically know about every car but what I, what our industry gives us is that breadth you know from scientists to um, engineers to sales and marketing to business all different aspects can be found in the automotive industry so um, yeah I actively encourage people to get involved and, and understand and then you come onto to the after sales side and all of our technical um, qualifications so yes you need to understand but love the mechanics and actually now the software of our vehicles and um, and almost be software developers in some regard. And we, and we do have those now in our industry. So really wide range of uh, roles that you can apply for.
0: Hmm. You've mentioned already about being proactive and sort of celebrating your own success. Uh, do you think it's always a question of, of pushing yourself? Um, what role do you think mentors can play in terms of career development? Um,
1: I think, it, as I said, it depends what you want out of your role and out of your life. And life is all about choices. And I've consciously made choices of roles that I've not pushed for in my career. I've got uh, my husband and three children. And throughout my career, they have been very important to me in terms of my home life. So there's been roles I've not approached. But equally, um, I think if there are roles you want, and I've said again on others, I've really pushed myself or worked over a number of years to convince the hiring manager, because that's the person, of why I am the obvious candidate for that. Where mentors come in is they help you in turn, because obviously mentoring is using somebody's skills and expertise. So mentors can give you their view or what, what they've done. Um, and I think they are helpful either in or outside of our industry. And then coaches are good as well. So coaches helping you to work out what you want to do, but you work it out for yourself with the, the way that they design it. So yeah, they can be very useful.
0: And sort of on that same topic, this idea of um, training, obviously training is a, a big business. You know, how much benefit is there in training or is it just better to learn on the job?
1: So we obviously have our big performance academy. So there's technical know-how that you need to do certain jobs. There is um, life skills that you can get support from in terms of, of training that formally help you. So there are accreditation paths that really work. And then, when you get into different parts of your career where there isn't an accreditation or a a qualification, um, on the job training is invaluable because that's how you learn and you pick up from either the person you're succeeding um, or the team that you're operating in. I still have formal training. I still, not as often as I did, but obviously every year we have competition law training, health and safety, and director training. So so that's keeping my technical know how up to date. Um, but what I've also had over the years is um, different one-off training. So I did my, my management degree uh, while I was um, working. So I did that in the evening while I was working, just trying to remember. So that was the Chartered Management Institute. I mean, that's many years ago now. And then this year, I was really lucky um, to do an INSEAD course on digital transformation. But of course, that's like once every five years in terms of those big set of pieces. But I encourage people to actively um, train on areas that, that they want to because on the job works but actually if you go seek other things other experiences from other industries it can really help
0: hmm. yeah that's great as more women come into the industry which is of course the, the point of the great women initiative do you have any observations on how that's changed things and for example you know is there more flexibility in roles or has the corporate atmosphere changed has it made any difference um
1: i think uh, we, pro- we probably take we get, yeah, I, I don't know it's quite hard when you think back because obviously I've been in the industry for 30 years I think there's external um, res- results or um, research that shows that when you get 30 percent of your quota of women and I hate the word quota because I think people should absolutely be recruited into roles based on their capability uh, not on uh, their gender or any other aspect of diversity and inclusion I think It says it's proven that it drives business results therefore yes i would say that you've driven business results but for me it's about diversity and inclusion in all its forms and i've definitely seen that um, as the discussions happened as a country as a a globe you can definitely feel that that is having a positive impact in businesses as well people say you can bring your best self to work um, and I truly believe that. I'm really open. Um, I don't have a hierarchical management style. I never have. I believe in driving complex, great business results through teams. It's not about me. And that's why I've never, to, to your previous question, never shouted about what I've done, because I think it's a team, a team result. Um, and I think it's great that we have that inclusivity um, in a way that has been publicly spoken about now.
0: There's that stat, isn't there? I think it originally came from Hewlett Packard that um, men only meet sixty percent of um, job qualification requirements for a role, whereas as w- women want to meet a hundred percent before they apply. Um, it, you know, do women and men treat the career path differently, in your opinion, or you know, is it becoming more equal, or is it purely just based on individual characters and personality?
1: I think it's individual characters and personalities, and I've read things like that about different. T- different traits of different people, you know, and and they have different stereotypes. I think it's about individuals and confidence. Um, And so the career path, I mean, mine has been quite a convoluted career path, but I said to you, it's how I chose, some of it chose, and and this, like I chose all of it, and I didn't, because I had knockbacks. I absolutely had knockbacks where I applied for roles and I didn't get them, and some of the interviews I went through sit with me to this day, and I remember where I think I went wrong or, or what I didn't do. Well, but, but you learn for, I learn from it. And that's what I mean. I am inquisitive. I do. Yeah. I'll internalize it and um, give myself a hard time about it, but as long as you learn from it. So life is not perfect. People will look at my role and go, Oh, you, you've managed to do that. But it was a, it was a convoluted career path. But what I would say is you can do it with a convoluted career path. You don't have to follow the same career path. To get to senior roles within automotive industry, and I think that adds. I think that diversity is what adds to it. If you've got a team of people that have come from de- very different um, backgrounds, very different skills, very different roots in the automotive, it adds something that you cannot get if you're all alike. And I might actively look to have a team that is very different to myself.
0: Hmm that leads perfectly into my next question (laughs) so obviously you've you've spent um your career at Volkswagen Group and PSA then Mm -hmm. Stellantis um what are your thoughts on breadth of experience like obviously you've as you said um gone to a lot of different roles within those organizations but when you're looking to recruit um, you know, are you interested in people that have moved around different companies because obviously you see different cultures or you know is loyalty better obviously it's nice to see people come up through organizations what what are your thoughts on that
1: I think you have a blend I think you can be either so um I and we do have colleagues who have moved all different countries, different roles within countries, and that does add an understanding of, of different cultures, different ways of operating in different companies. And I've also got some that have said, sort of stayed within the discipline. So PR teams are expert often in, in what they're doing. Marketers often the same. Um, and you need to then get a blend as as a manager, as a leader. So if you are then the individual, so I made choices about when I didn't go and do a field role and when I did go and do a field role because of my personal circumstances with my my family, Um, you just accept then as an individual. If you've got a hiring manager in front of you and they have got a very defined career path that they expect their people to have done that they're recruiting for, you may not get that job. But then don't pin your hopes all on one job. Have um, several roles that you are interested in and accept that it may be the hiring manager's preference that has done it it's not necessarily you sometimes it will be you so I said to you there's there's some interviews that mm-hmm. that haunt me um in terms of what I did, I did wrong or didn't do but equally there's so others I've obviously been done okay in because of where I've got to so um life is full of choices uh people so say you can have it all where well, you maybe can but not necessarily at the same time
0: <laughs> That's so true, um you talked about travel there, and you've also talked about you know the times when you prioritized um or your your family mm-hmm. um if if one of your team were offered the opportunity to travel for for the job you know beyond just sort of trips um would you mm-hmm. say go for it is that you know do you think it helps to see those different cultural practices and the way things work differently in different countries
1: yes if and I think it does, and if you're interested in do it, but don't do it if it's really going to make you unhappy. Um so' I've, I've got a mug that I had. it's really I found, found it recently, a mug that has um, I had when I first started work when I was uh, 18 I started. So it says um, work isn't work unless you'd rather be doing something else. And I think it stands you in good merit. And if you love what you do and you you want to travel and you want to be in other countries, that is absolutely fabulous. If you're going to do that and you're going to be really unhappy, then I would ask you to question yourself, but just be comfortable in your decision, be confident in your decision and accept that you might have a different career path, therefore, to what you want. But if you want to travel, it's it's amazing. I have like colleagues who have traveled all around the world, and what they bring in terms of the understanding of our industry from around the world is fascinating, amazing, and really useful. Um, so we need all colleagues from all different walks of life, um, from all different skill sets and disciplines to be able to do that.
0: Great thank you and um, sort of moving back to your your day-to-day responsibilities how, how do you balance the managing of, of so many different people who report to you with sort of a longer term strategic roles for which you're responsible?
1: Uh, constant juggling <laughs> <laughs> now as I get the enlarged team uh, a good team around me so the diversity of their skill sets is really important so now in my in my role I have I have directors reporting to me who are good at what they do in their own right. So it becomes easier almost in that regard in terms of the day-to-day operations, the more senior you get because you have directors in your your own right who can do those roles. There are still, my role is still there to um, make sure we are delivering on our results, delivering on our customer experience each and every day and improving on it. So some of the digital work that we're doing is about driving that strategic view and that implementation of those things. So it's a constant juggle. I compartmentalize my diary, my, my team and we'll laugh at my diary. It, it's color coded within an inch of its life. And it um, sounds and, very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I have the one-to-one slots in with my team. Uh, you know, they, they get shorter sometimes or, or longer, but we have set times to, or times we then try and re- re- review the strategic elements of it. But it's a constant juggle, you know, it's not perfect but I do then focus on sometimes on the strategic and sometimes on the the operational. And you have to be careful because you can get pulled around by the external factors. You think the year we've lived through with COVID, it was absolutely about crisis management and you have to accept that. You know, and then we came into the year and we said, do not let ourselves be defined by COVID. It's a part of what we live with. And that wasn't to undervalue the importance of the health or or anything like that. It's like, you cannot live in a crisis mode for for over a year. You know, you've got to find a way to be able to cope with it. So we took a different perspective coming into this year. Um but juggling. Yeah, always juggling.
0: And talking of juggling, work life balance. So I know that um, and <laughs> you've told me in the past it's not your forte, but no, I know I'm that terrible. it's something you're working on. Can mm-hmm. you tell us, yeah, what you do to relax and how you try and achieve work life balance?
1: Uh yeah, I'm not a great role model. Although my family would be kind sometimes, but um i get up early but i always i've i've always got up early so even when the children were small i used to get up and get myself ready so then when they woke up i would uh, be able to spend time with them before i went to work um, i have an amazing husband um who who really makes a difference but that's what i mean about our life choices and what we've chosen to do um and then in the evenings so interestingly last october we were doing some work or one of our colleagues um led us in terms of mental health support and suicide prevention um, particularly men at that time but we've expanded it and we were doing a walk for calm campaign about against living miserably and we were due to do it just at the lockdown so in March time and we couldn't, we couldn't get out. And at that time, I was thinking, oh, my God, my, my, my knees ache. I'm not very, you know, because I just sit down too often. So, but then in October, we set up Strava app. And we said, okay, we've not managed to do our, our charity walk in March. We'll do it individually, but we'll do it together on the app. And um, that's been really good. So, mine is really low walking, about 20 kilometers a week, which is nothing compared to all of my runner colleagues and cyclists who are on, on this app. But actually, that means I, I have to get out um at least three times a week on walk. And and I've not done that for years. And I've been out and exercise regularly. That's not something I do, but it's been, I've managed to achieve it since then because the challenge was whatever the weather, as soon as it gets bad weather, I don't do it. But that is what I do. So we're out, we walk a family. We've had Friday nights as a family. We've been a three generation family in lockdown. My, um, so my mother-in-law moved in with us and I've got my three adult children and friday nights is um pop night so we've been religious since march in terms of doing that as well so we get to and we've done some crazy things on that on that friday night well crazy for me but maybe not for other people but um we've had good <laughs> fun you know we've learned tolerance um so that's what that's what I do spend as much time with them as i can when i'm not working
0: so it sounds in some ways the the hardships of the last year has actually helped you address your work-life balance well i was. think
1: yes i think they're not commuting around and i think many of us have mm. said the same you gain um you gained time so actually fit because i would never have physically been able to fit that walking in that exercise i could have done if i had prioritized these. and this is the challenge do you prioritize else mm-hmm, not necessarily so but i've managed to do that um and then yeah it's strange not waiting at the euro tunnel station in in paris waiting to come home late on a friday night um but managing to do it on a zoom call that finishes at five and then uh, then You know you don't have to do the travel back it's been very interesting and i think we'll all change our lives we've missed the social interaction we've missed the creativity as a team but some of the commutes and that definitely not but we're yeah it's good to be back out with our retailers across the uk and with our customers as well definitely
0: so do you th- do you think as the world opens up you'll be able to kind of keep a bit of what you've the walking in the you know yeah as well as there's a bit more travel
1: I'm going to try yes I'm going to try to <laughs> keep, keep the exercise up because it has actually um, improved my health I have noticed um, I've also got a, I've invested so um, so Jeremy uh, has a stand-up desk he was at the forefront of it he's had one right since the very beginning but things like that about um, I've got a sit-down stand-up desk because actually it creates the movement because you're not moving around the office. But we are back to being in the office one to two days a week as well, or out with retailers, out with customers. Um, and that's great because you get that blend. We've, we've, I think we've got to hold on to the blend, the positives of what we learned about not commuting excessively, that um, still makes sure that we get out and about now.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. So one last question, just looking more broadly at Stellantis. Um, what are you most excited about over the next few years? You know, what cars to look out for? What, what big changes in the industry inspire you? You know, what just gives you buzz to wake up and get going?
1: I'm excited about the opportunity we have in Stellantis with the powertrains, with the connect, the, you know, we are, we are ready for what's coming in terms of the, the legislation and the changes. We've said about we want to provide um, mobility, clean, safe mobility for all, and we are determined to do that. Um, and are doing it and last year we were doing it well so it's exciting in that regard we've got our digital solutions from a customer perspective so how we provide a customer experience with our online services our virtual showrooms product walkarounds all of that that crashed on and went faster as a result of um, covid is great because it means we can provide better services to customers on, on their terms and then you add to that the um the new power coming so the hydrogen fuel cells that we've got coming in in vans um it doesn't stand still our industry for the fact that we talk about it um being the same for 25 years it, it doesn't you know um and what we have in Stellantis with that breadth of skills that breadth of expertise that we've got and then the the financial strength means that we can move forward and be really progressive in terms of what we want to achieve so um, it's exciting times definitely well I think we'll have to leave it there Alison thank you
0: so much for giving up your precious time and thank you listeners for listening next month we'll be joined by the Manchester City women's football team tune in then